Welcome to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what is going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. This is episode 65. Welcome back, Lauren. Happy Monday to you. Happy so, Monday, Brooke. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Mother's Day was yesterday. Yes, it was. How was your Mother's Day? I thought it was good. It was It was a long day. I... I I tried to serve my wife well and uh, took my kids out of the house and gave her some quiet space to take a nap. Uh-huh. Felt pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of my wife's uh, love languages is just to have some some downtime. <laughs> she works her butt off, and so I took my I took my three girls who are living at home now um, to see the Doctor Strange. Uh, the multiverse of madness, or oh whatever. Oh my it is. goodness! And I was not ready for that. Whew, I don't I was, know. I don't know if we it want was to talk about it. all over the place. It was, it was weird. It was crazy. <laughs> it was it was like slight horror film uh-huh. feel. It was definitely different than all of the rest of those yes, Marvel movies. And I'm not sure how. I still I'm a day later. Not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. And I'm a Marvel fan, you know. But yeah, my my uh, my oldest was like uh, ready to go see it, and I was like, I don't. So did you take her? Did you go by no, yourself? How did you see she's it? Twelve. So Kara uh, Kay and I went. Oh, on, uh, okay, fun. We went on Friday, and um, yeah, it, that sometimes that's our that's our 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 day dates. We'll uh, you know when the kids are in school, we'll we'll go see a movie or something, and and so we went and saw it, and it was the same. I was like, I don't think my twelve year old is ready for this. Like this, was... yeah, it may not have been my finest parenting moment, <laughs> but it was a good husband moment to get my kids yeah, out yeah. of the house. Well, so I think it's <laughs> funny is like like there seems to be, and maybe there's more, but it seems to be like two camps when it comes to Mother's Day. Either you are like. Um, everything is about mom and let's go do everything with mom and the kids are playing with mom and we, we do all this stuff. Or there's the other side where it's like, everything's about mom. So leave mom alone and we're all going to leave her and she's going to go someplace or she's going to stay home and she's going to take a nap or whatever. And I know, uh, I'll throw my wife under the bus. I know one of her favorite, um, mother's day was when we were out of town and my grandparents or my, my parents were here taking care, <laughs> taking care of the kids. And so she got to FaceTime with the kids and then we spent the rest of the day doing <laughs> whatever she wanted to do. You know? <laughs> well, I was proud of my wife. My wife is such a selfless servant that um, I found this out later that uh, one of our kids like right after church is like, mom, mom, I want to go do this. I want to go do this. I want to go do this. Yeah. And my wife who almost always says sure or yes, she's like, you know, it's Mother's Day. <laughs> Can this just be about me for just a little bit of time? She stood up for herself. I was like, way to go. That's way good. To go. Yeah, I had a kid that was like, okay, how about we go out to eat and we let mom choose? And I said, well, what if we just said, mom, what would you like to do for dinner? And she said, well, yeah, but she can choose where we go and we all go out to eat. And I was like, but what if she doesn't want to? She's like, well, no, but like, and I was like, but, but it's Mother's Day. Shouldn't we let mom choose? She was like, well, I mean, but you know, uh, she can choose one of the meals on the chi- cho- on the on this restaurant <laughs> menu right. that I right. picked. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. We had a, we had a good Mother's Day, I think, and uh, she got she got a nap in that lasted for a little bit, I think. And she tried to watch a show last night, and the kids, you know, I don't know, it's, I don't know if your house is this way, but the kids will bypass me to go ask her something. Oh yeah, you know, and it's like. I easily could have answered that. Maybe they don't want the answer from me. Maybe that's the problem. I think that's more of it. <laughs> so they don't. They want, know I'm going to say no. They don't want my short, like, <laughs> I don't really care answer. Like, no, don't eat that. No, don't go do that. That's crazy. <laughs> no, you can't go play with your friend on Mother's Day. 
like let them have a date with their mom. Like, no, no. let me go ask mom. Maybe, maybe mom's, maybe mom's struggling. She'll just be like, yes, please get out of the house. I will say that video that was put together yesterday yeah. with a bunch of moms and kids. That was including your wife, by the way. Yep. She was on there. That was, and kids. That was, that was really well done. And kudos to uh, Tanner and uh, Emily and Rachel Woods and, yeah. Putting all that together. Is that, is that the team that put it together? I think so. I didn't I, even know. If I'm misspeaking and there were some other people I knew people Tanner in was there. involved. That's, it if, was so if, good. If, if Rachel didn't actually do anything, then, you know, she got lumped in there. Well, and then to have, you know, one of the moms, Shelby, at the end just say, you know, maybe I'm not doing as bad a job as I thought. Yeah. I'm like, woof. Hmm. Like, that's, I don't know how many moms or people <laughs> just needed to hear that yeah. yesterday. I wonder if dads would take that the same way. If you did the same thing with dads and said, well, how do you feel like you're parenting? If dads would beat themselves up. You know the what? I'm just going to make this up in the moment. This is my reaction to what you just said. I think it, it would, I think it always has the potential to be helpful. I think what would be more helpful to dads is if their grown children could speak into yeah. the job they did. Because I know a lot of men over the years, probably, probably mainly because I've been pastoring, I, I know a lot of men that are really hard on themselves mm. for the jobs they did as dads with a with a strong feeling of, and it's too late now. Like, you know, oh, if I could it, go back, my kid's 42 and 36 and 32, and it's just too late. I messed mm. up. I wish I could go back and spend more time with them. I wish I wasn't so hard on them. Um, I wish I was more affectionate. I wish I spoke you know, words of truth and love into them mm. more. I mean, all those things that it's too late for. And I, I think that if we had some grown kids, including people like me saying, no, dad, you know, yeah, you're pretty hard on me in this way or, <laughs> or this, this, this aspect of our relationship was hard, but oh my goodness, you did such a great job and you loved me well and I'm grateful for you. I mm. think that just carries a lot more weight for sure. a lot of dads. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we should, maybe hmm. we should look into that. You just you can send Tanner that text that hey you need another video I'll yeah. let you I'll let you handle that does that does that resonate with you though <laughs> like thinking about your dad or other men who look back I don't know because I don't I don't uh, how many men in I the moment with their five year old go I'm not doing a very good job that's what I'm saying it's like I don't I, think we carry the weight like right that. right right exactly that's what I'm saying it's like I don't I don't feel like that's the that's that it's the same but then I also don't feel like I'm I don't know that I know enough older dads that I'm in a relationship with in that way that could, that, that would confide in me and, and talk in that way. Maybe it's cause I'm older than I'm saying. I'm that. saying yeah. you're old. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I said older. Oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I do think that I'll, I'll say this. I think my dad and my father-in-law both have expressed at different points, just some regret, mm. some guilt. And, and I think, um, you know, some of that for all of, some of that for all of us is warranted. You sure. Know, I, I wish I could go back and do things differently. Right. But some of it's just not from the Lord. It's mm. not, it's not good. It's, it's just a weight of regret. And I think there's, maybe we need to go on a little, uh, freedom mission, you know, let's free up some, some dads from carrying that weight around. Yeah. So Mother's Day, that was cool. Mother's Day. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Did two dudes just make this about us? We did. We totally just made that about dads. Wow. Uh, That's I got to see my mom on Saturday, so that was cool. Oh, good um, for you. You we, drove to? We drove over to Dallas. My uh, my sister's kids have their birthdays. The is May fifth, and um, they uh, 
so they had a birthday party and uh, I took a took took three of the kids over there and they got to play and swim and see the cousins and and um, so yeah we we had a it was I mean it was a busy day don't get me wrong and none of it relied on me so um, that was kind of nice nice but then my 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 wife also got a she got a day to herself you know with a big kid in the other room doing whatever she wanted oh, to do basically on her phone you. or something the whole good time for you. But yeah, so we had a good, we had a good weekend. Good, I think so. Yeah, we brought our firstborn home from college on Saturday. Yeah, it was good and to see so her on Sunday for the brief moment that I saw her as she walked right past you guys. Yep. <laughs> as so, it's so fun. It, she's our firstborn, so like every parent with their firstborn, everything's uncharted waters, you know. So, yeah. how do you receive your kid back from a full year of college for the first time, where she's used to doing what she wants when she wants, and now she's and now she's back in your house. Like she's literally sleeping on her couch. Like she doesn't even have a bedroom now. Because <laughs> the girls all switched rooms after she left. And, oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm trying to be sweet. And like, hey, you know, you don't have to do the curfew thing like your sisters. You don't have to do this or that. Just just over communicate. Just we want to we want to love you well while you're here. And I was very frank. I'm like, I want you to leave in a few weeks when you leave <laughs> and, and want to come back. <laughs> I want so, you to leave in a few weeks. No, you didn't let me finish. The oh yeah, sorry, sentence. sorry, sorry. And come back. And, and come, come back. back. Right, right. But but it's tied to Mother's Day. Like Carrie was just beaming yesterday, just yeah. having all the girls home. And yeah, I know a lot of moms can relate to that. To have have kids come back and visit, and um, so hmm. we were both in our group last night. Our, our, you've heard me on the podcast speak about our group that meets on Sunday nights, and we just talked about the joy of watching her grow up and become a woman who has a genuine faith and she she was sitting at church yesterday just locked in as I was teaching and had her Bible open and in and of itself that's not you know crazy but she's she can do whatever she wants now mm. and that's what she was doing yeah and I'm like wow you know just I'm not really sure where my 12 year old is <laughs> but I know where my 18 year old is and that's just really fun, you yeah. know? So mm. Carrie really liked that yesterday. That was a good, good mama's that's day good. in good. that regard. Okay, so you um, you had jury duty last week. Yes, I did. So can you give us an update? You are here. Yes. And Monday you were, when we recorded last week, that you, were that headed, you were headed right back in. And so oh, we, that's right. we that's weren't sure we if we were going to see you for the that's next right. you know, couple of weeks. Well, or to... to be really brief on that i got selected which blew my mind um congratulations you you won (laughs) (laughs) the people who were told they could leave all Uh cheered yeah that's right i'm not even kidding and we the 12 of us that got picked just sat there and went oh they're cheering (laughs) (laughs) but uh got picked uh right away they dismissed the other 36 on the jury panel and the 12 of us sat in the jury box and they said, okay, now we'll hear opening statements from the prosecutor. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, we're starting a trial? <laughs> like it, it really now. It freaked me out. So we heard opening statements from the opening statement from the prosecutor. We heard opening statement from the defense attorney. And then it was about eleven thirty. And the judge said, Let's break for lunch. And I'm like, wow, this is my <laughs> week, you know? And don't get me wrong, I was actually pretty fascinated yeah. and curious but but also like oh i'm, I'm not going to get a th- i'm going to be working until midnight every yeah. night at home and um and then we came back after lunch and uh right away they said well 
Uh, both parties have come to a plea agreement over the lunch hour, and uh, you are dismissed. Thank you for your service. Wow. And so... Great job. Yes. It was... Uh, That's some quality jurying. I said nothing. Um, <laughs> voted zero. But I did, I did actually ask the judge a question. She said, do you have any questions? And we all stood there for a second. And I said, uh, I'm just curious, like, what happened? You know? And she... I don't know if she was speculating or she was the judge, if she was speaking authoritatively, but she said, I think that one of the witnesses there was, there was a problem with, and it just changed things over lunch. And so they came to a plea agreement. So I can say this now without naming names, of course, but it was an aggravated assault charge. Uh, and he pled down to assault, which is a much lighter sentence. Um, wasn't so aggravated. It wasn't so aggravated. Hmm. The bodily injury. I, you know what? I learned some things I won't bore you with. So it's fascinating. <laughs> but you, were, you had a fascinating experience. I was a fa- fascinating day and a half. All day Monday and then first thing Tuesday till till one thirty. Yeah. Um, no regrets. I, 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 I'm such a law and order geek that it was, it was downright interesting. Um, I just hated missing meetings and yeah. work I had to get done. So does that mean you're you're uh, you're good for a while? I have no idea. Uh there were several people like me that had never been picked. There was another guy that he'd been picked five times. So wow. I, I have no idea how the system works on you know, I know you mentioned Care K, your wife is has to go in for jury summons. My wife uh got summoned last month, I think, and she got out of it because she's a school teacher and then we just don't have enough substitutes in our yeah. district. But they said, yeah, we're probably going to call you back this summer. And she's like, okay. I mean, right. so I have no idea how it works. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Well, and, and I don't remember if we talked about this. I don't think we did because on the, at least on the podcast, because we were joking about, we don't know how it works and I've never been selected or whatever. And I got home for lunch and in the <laughs> that mail, day. in the mail that day we had, we, we received my Karake's, uh jury summons. Jokes that on you. She, she has to go in in like two weeks. You know, if I was superstitious, <laughs> I'd probably get a bigger kick out of that. But I mean, if it had been me, okay, I'm I'm with you. But that's still funny. It's still it was. It, it, <laughs> you the, sent me a picture of it, of it, and I'm like cackling. That <laughs> was ridiculous. Okay, so we have um, you were you were on stage yesterday, and you announced to the world that we were going to talk about ado- uh, I almost said adoption. Um, we maybe get there, but abortion. Yes. And uh, so that was news to me, and um, <laughs> I had never... Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you kind of warned me last week that we were going to do that. Um, I did. A bit. Uh, but before we get there, right, so that's a big conversation, sure, and sure. We'll, we'll see where it goes. But before we get there, let's let's kind of break our normal flow, and let's talk about the uh, the message from Sunday, our origin story, where we, um, you know, we're, we're continuing our study of Acts. You were talking about tragedies and triumphs, um, immediately starting off with, and then they killed James, mm. and then Peter got rescued. Yep. So... Um, in the midst of where we are in learning about all of this, what, what are we what are we doing here? Why why is this important? With James getting killed and Peter getting saved and or rescued, excuse me, maybe that's a better word. Well, well, and and one thing I didn't say yesterday is you know Peter later did get killed for his faith. So, my um, my my brain just went down a rabbit trail. You know, even the somebody who was healed from leprosy, what happened to them later? Yeah, they died. What happened to the little girl that was brought back from 
yeah. you know, death. What happened to her later? Oh, she died. Oh, she died. What happened to the person who, you know, was, was uh, crippled from birth? Uh, what happened to them later? Like, well, they died. Like, even all these miraculous events um, are, are still, you know, it's, a, it's about timing. They're it's postponements. About, it's postponements of, of difficult things in this life. I don't know why my brain went down that rabbit trail, but um, but my point is Peter does later die. Yeah. Um, well, and if you're talking about the persecution side of of being killed, yes, rather than dying, just being killed, like wasn't there? Uh, and I'm gonna totally mess that up, but isn't there just like only one that of the of the original? I believe 12 only, or whatever. I believe I think technically only one of the original twelve was not martyred, was not killed for their faith, and that was because John he was exiled. He was exiled. Still punished, right? Right. <laughs> Still persecuted. He, yeah, he didn't get away. No. Um, but James was the first one. He okay. was the first one killed. I, I think, I think the, I think two things from yesterday jump out to me. Um, one is just the history. It's just to me, it, I, I, I love studying history in mm. school, whether it's Texas history, American history, world history, um, different different seasons of life in in our history. I, I love. Church history. When I went to seminary, I was shocked how much I loved studying the history of the church mm. over the last two thousand years, with a lot of dark, you know, yeah. spots on our history, and a lot of beautiful things. Um, you know, where do denominations come from? Uh, all those kind of things. This is history. It's fascinating to me to see the spread of the church, the spread of Christianity. To, to see the tragedies, uh, the deaths, the, the arrests, the tortures, the prison uh, sentences, all that stuff. Um, and, and ultimately, I think so much of the heart of what I hope we took away from yesterday is, okay, man, God does respond uniquely differently in different times to our prayers. And what does that do to our faith? Um, why do you rescue Peter? so dramatically and beautifully <laughs> and so fun mm. and it's, it's inspiring you know i mean how many of those christians were like wow i'm all in right. i don't care what happens next look what he just did that's amazing yeah. you know yeah. but right before that he didn't rescue james i have to believe it doesn't say they were praying earnestly for james like it does say they were praying earnestly for peter mm-hmm. but you have to believe but why wouldn't they have been why wouldn't james's brother john not be on his knees right screaming out please god help my brother please help my brother you know surely yeah. you're gonna help him and then to get the news, he's dead. He's beheaded. You right. know what did that do to John's faith? What did that do mm. to some of the others? So that's really where I thought the challenge of Scripture came to me. Um, we talked about it in our group last night, and I think it was just affirmed. You know, we we all talked about how what we did, by the way, in our group is especially because about about half our group wasn't at church yesterday, and so didn't want to regurgitate they're, they're stuck with pastor lauren so you, you re-preached your message i did not and i try not to <laughs> nobody wants that and so we just said hey let's just do this tragedies and triumphs yeah give us one example of a tragedy in your life one example of a triumph in your life a low point and a high point and how did those things affect your faith your mm. faith journey and um and of course i'm not going to betray confidence of our group but man, people got real and shared some really difficult things they've gone through and what that did to their faith um, in some negative ways, what what it caused them to really rethink or search for. 
and then of course some triumphs, some beautiful things that came out of out of that, and and how their faith was restored or their faith was faith grew, the faith was born, uh, new um, is really is really good conversation. Uh, I think that's where the rubber meets the road for us as Christians is um, how do we respond to the hardships of life and the beautiful things of life and how do those things affect the way we see God? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was Tozer, A.W. Tozer, who said the most important thing about any human is how they see God. What's our picture of who God is, which is so shaped by circumstances, (laughs) you know, not just knowledge base and scripture and, but also life experience Mm -hmm. circumstances. So, did anything particular come out of the teaching yesterday that, that challenged you or that you've been wrestling with or affirmed something you were already wrestling with or I mean I think about I think about times throughout my life where you can you could grab onto tragedies or triumphs that you know um, that, that you could see go either way mm-hmm. you know and and to come out on the other side of some of them um, and uh, and feel stronger you know I think about a, a the, the triumph if you will of um, of Kendrick and his, uh, in his, his, uh, skull surgery, you know, he, we had, he's poor, now six, is that he's right? six now. Yeah. So he had poor, uh, we had poor insurance and his skull fused together too early when he was, um, when he was like between one and two and it caused this massive ridge on his forehead. It was giving him headaches. He couldn't sleep. He was banging his head against his crib all night long. Mm. Cause it was the only thing that would bring him relief. And, um, even in the, even when they like, like the, the, ner- the, the doctor came back out, I think it was the doctor or one of the nurses or whatever came back out and said that basically when they, when they finally pulled the skull off of his brain, broke the skull off, they could see his brain like breathe. It was oh, like, oh, like it relaxed. Expand. Yeah. It like expanded and was like, oh, okay. oh, what kind of pain must he have been in? Right. Exactly. Oh. And, and so as a two year old and I'm, I'm like, I, I have a medical family, but that doesn't mean I know anything. I'm just Googling stuff. And, you know, my wife's probably doing it even more than I am. And so we don't know what we're doing. We don't have good resources that are getting us, um, you know, the best care ever. And we had weak insurance. And then the way that God orchestrated things and, um, you know, it was just, it was like, it's, it's easily a triumph. And we look back and go, wow, that had nothing to do with us. Mm. Um, and nothing to do with us making this better or, um, you know, being the heroes. We sat there and we had um, friends show up and sit there for hours with us in the waiting room. And uh, we had a doctor that sat down and was like, all right, we're about to do this. And um, he was like, so before we go in, can we pray? And it was like, good grief. Like, I didn't expect that. Like, we walked in expecting to be like, here's our kid. Like, go do your thing. We're going to do our thing and pray. And our friends are going to pray and our families are going to pray. And he was like, let's, let's pray for you guys. Mm. Like sit down and, and, and do this. And then to come back out the other side, he has a nice round head and he (laughs) has some scars on the side, but, um, but doing well, but he's great, you know? And so, and so we, we don't have the after effects of brain damage or Mm. loss, you know, like he had alopecia that was like, he had a, he had a big spot on the middle of his forehead, like, or on the top of his head, like right above your forehead, like no hair, like it was just gone. And so we had to cut his hair short all the time. And it was like, but now he has a full head of hair that he likes long and really tall, you know, it's just like (laughs) everything has, it's, it's, it's a triumph. You look at it and go that way. And then, um, and then you can say like, okay, so what about what about where where we are right now with my wife? 
you know, in the middle of medical issues that we have no answers for, that there doesn't appear to be answers on the horizon. Things appear to be getting worse and worse and worse. Mm. And then, you know, as you talked about, like sometimes our, our faith is born out of these trials um, or, or, uh, or the tragedies. Um, sometimes our faith takes a hit. Sometimes, um, this is where we like compromise and, and, you know, with like, well, but ends justify the means type of a thing. And, you know, it's like, I'd love to be able to say my faith is stronger now as my wife is going through this. And I don't know that I can Mm. have a good answer. You know, it's like, there are days that I'm like, this is stupid. Mm. Like what in the world, God? And there's other days that I'm like, okay, you know, God's got this. Like, and the, what was the, the even if right? The, so yeah. uh, the 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 um, Shadrach Meshach. Yeah, the guys in, the guys in the furnace. You know, it's like even if he doesn't. Even if we know that God can do this, and even if he doesn't, that's cool. Yeah, we're still gonna be fine. And then they get thrown in anyway. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's easier to look back and say, mm. man, okay, when I lost my job, not at my own will, um, I was torn up, and there was a tragedy, and. Then now, years later, I can look back and say, I can see what God was doing and that he had orchestrated something that we needed in that, in that moment that we needed that was different. Mm-hmm. And so even though I didn't like the situation, even though I didn't like the circumstances or how it went down or whatever, or blah, 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 the place that he took us to next was something that we desperately needed. And so you can look back at that and be like, man, that tragedy, yeah. like that helped us. Uh, regain our faith, regain our faith yeah. in the church. And of course, I'm speaking for my wife now too, but, um, and, you know, it was like, my faith is stronger because I know he had a, he had something but, that was better. But you know? you're speaking to something I definitely didn't uh, touch on yesterday is the time factor. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're able, you know, Kendrick's six now, you're talking about Kendrick's ordeal between one and two. Mm-hmm. You have some time now to look back at his healing, where he is now. And you're able to have some perspective right. versus, you know, to be specific, what Kara Kay's going through mm-hmm. uh, with this, would you, would you call it long, long COVID, long COVID right. with all the unanswered questions and day-to-day struggles that you're right in the middle of. Right. Um, in fact, to use the language of yesterday's teaching, you know, it, it, it would be understandable. I think I, I hear you between the lines saying, well, in some ways my faith is taking a hit now. But I also recognize I don't know where my faith's going to be yeah. down the road. Like, what if what if ten years from now, we look back and go, okay, that was it's so weird to say it now. That was a blessing. Couldn't possibly say mm-hmm. that then. But look look what he did from it. Or ten years from now, you could say, I still don't understand why we had to go through all that. And right. your faith actually has taken a huge hit right. over time. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, that's a, that's the case. Like, I'm trying trying to be honest in it. And it's yes. like, I, pres- I don't want to pretend. I respect your honesty. I don't want to pretend like, oh, man, my wife's going through all this, and now I feel so much stronger in my faith because of it. Right. You know? And, but that's the difference. Like, a triumph, like, a triumph can be in the moment. You're like, yes. you know, um, you're talking about Peter getting out of getting out of prison, and they're like, she, <laughs> he's knocking at the door, and she leaves him to go tell it. Like, there's a triumph. It. Like, I forgot he was still at the door. <laughs> I didn't even let him in, and I'm freaking out about all this stuff that's happening in the moment, like right now. And then the other side of it's like the tragedies, like they can they can do these things, but they do take they do take time. It's yeah. not I don't know of any well, maybe that's not true, but um, you know I would say a lot of the time you get through you when you're in the middle of it or you get to the end of it, it's not like ah oh, it's over now, and I feel great because of it. 
you know, maybe you do, maybe some, some do in different circumstances, but I don't I, know. I do think that speaks to the, the, the element, the necessary element for us of community. Didn't go there yesterday either, but you know, if, if I do all of this by myself, if I strive to, to live the loner life mm-hmm. and to even justify, well, my spiritual life is private and mm-hmm. my own and I don't need the church. And I, I think that I am then left with often anyway, um, a circumstantial interpretation of things. And in the moment, what do I think and feel? Yeah. In the moment, is my faith stronger or weaker, or am I angry with God, or am I hopeful? And <clears throat> the difference, I would argue, is when we're in community, even with just one or two other people, even better with a group of people, mm-hmm. maybe even a large group of people, everybody is on different, uh, going through different stages. And so I may be, you may be in the right in the middle of this long, long timer, long, long hauler. Long hauler, that's yeah. the term, COVID. Long hauler COVID, whereas something that I am i have struggled with, oh, that was four years ago for me. Mm-hmm. But if we're doing life together, if we're playing golf together, if we're going to church together, if we're in a group together sitting on the couch talking about hard things, then maybe you can hear me speak into you know, my past and what right. I've seen God do that gives you pause Mm -hmm. that you can you can re-examine your current circumstances and see things differently right um so i don't think that's a leap i think i think i didn't talk about that yesterday i don't think the text necessarily speaks to it blatantly um from acts 12 but you know the ways they interpreted james's beheading peter's rescue herod's herod getting struck down the spread, I mean, new believers, it said more and more new believers came. All those circumstances, good and bad, tragedies and triumphs, I bet they were interpreted differently hmm. depending on their community connection and others around them and their interpretations. And so um, I think there's something really, I'm not trying to strong arm, you know, the need for community. I, I just get it. I just, yeah. I buy it. We are meant to do this together to struggle with our faith together, yeah. to interpret our circumstances together and not alone. I really believe that's important. Yeah. And even as I look back at, at, you know, some of those stories I shared that, you know, having the people around us, you know, whether it was a, um, a frustration or, or disappointment, and I had to work through it with people, the people that I was, that, that God put in, in community around me. And sometimes that was a small group. Um, you know, from church, and sometimes it was not. Sometimes it was, you know, guys from uh, from basketball that I played with on a weekly basis, or uh, other people that had similar jobs and similar experiences. You know, um, and being able to talk through it, it was it was still community that came together. You know, I think about our small group here when when we were going through all of that stuff with um, with Kendrick and the the specialists we had to see and. Um, meals and taking care of kids and paying medical bills and all those kinds of things. Like our community is the one that came together and helped us survive it all. You know, right? No doubt. So yeah, the even if thing is the was was really what 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 stood out to me um, through all that. Yeah, I I know I said it yesterday, but that that moment in time is such an inspirational moment for me. Those three guys facing their death. Uh, it's shaped the way that I pray for people I care about, pray for God to intervene, 
because they basically said, we know what God can do. Mm. We're very confident in what God can do. They even implied, and we know where his heart is. We know that he is for us. Having said that, even if in his wisdom, in his, you know, divine, perfect wisdom, he says, no, I'm going to let you die. That's okay. Doesn't change who we know he to be, him to be. Um, man, that's, that's amazing to me. In fact, I know you and I talked about this briefly, and we've talked about this several times. This is at the heart of my theology, is, you know, the moment we make our faith outcome-based, you know, if God comes through, then I'll trust him. Mm-hmm. If God comes through, then I'll, then I'll take his commandments even more seriously. But what is God coming through, so to speak, on our terms, have to do with what he wants us to do? If the question is, God, what are you saying and what do you want me to do about it today? Right. The outcome doesn't matter. You know, if, if you want me to love my enemy, which is so radical, <laughs> who does that? <laughs> but you want me to love my enemy. And you know what? If I do that really well in this particular instance and it, it doesn't go well for me, so to speak, I pay for it with my life, with injury, with cost of some kind, you know, does that mean I can then go back and go, Oh, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. Hmm. I shouldn't have loved my enemy. No, it has nothing to do. The ends don't justify the means. You know, it, it, it speaks, I think loudly to where we are in our culture today, where we are so often trying to justify, um, the means of what we're doing, Mm -hmm. uh, with the end result, um, which we're going to talk about abortion in just a little bit, another teaser, but how we deal with this issue is every bit as important as as what the issue is. Uh, just, you know, being being jerks and screaming at people. I mean, I, I see the, the people that are pro-life people protesting even at, at some of the justices' houses and just being awful and insensitive to their neighbors and their kids. And, like, do the ends justify the means just because we care passionately about an issue? Uh, even people, other people, unborn people, that justifies us being complete jerks? No, it does not. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's a lot of Christians even today that would argue. You know, I kind of, I think it does. I think, it, I think, I think the ends do justify yeah. the means. And to me, that that flies in the face of of this. Even if he doesn't theology, like no, no, no. Even if he doesn't come through on my terms, I'm going to trust him. Yeah, you know. Um. So, that's really shaped. It's helped me trust God more. It's helped me not try to figure out, well, what's going to work? You know, if, if he tells me to do this generous thing, is it going to work though? Am I, am I going to have enough money? Am I going to be able to take care of my family? No, he just asked me to be generous Mm. and to share and trust that he owns it all. And if it doesn't, quote, work in the moment and I run out, does that mean he's wrong? I was wrong to do it? I was wrong to to follow his ways? No. Yeah. I, I just don't get the outcome-based faith. I get I get where it comes from, but I don't buy it. I yeah. don't believe it's biblical. So. Hmm. Well, and it's, and it's in a... It's that aspirational goal of, I want to live my life in that even if, that even if space. Yeah. You know, um, but I have to still continue to make that decision to leave in, to live in that even if. Yep. 
which is it is hard to do. I mean, shoot, it's I want I want to have faith like that, mm-hmm. and sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't think I do. You know, but I, yeah. I want I want to live my life day to day like that. To to be specific, I was taught to pray like this. By the way, when someone like your wife is sick, to pray boldly, God, I know what you can do. I'm confident you can snap your fingers and Kara K. James can be healed. I'm confident it can be a slow healing. I'm confident you can make a way. I just pray that you will. Mm-hmm. I, I I trust you either way. I, I'm just proclaiming I know what you can do. Yeah. Please, please do it. Um, even if you don't, I trust you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's, I, I think that honors him. I think that's I think that's the right posture, because um, I'm not giving God an ultimatum, <laughs> um, which is hilarious to say out loud. <laughs> like we can do that. I'm not, you know, saying my faith is going to be based on whether or not you come through. I'm just, I'm just as a little kid to their big dad who can do anything. You know, please, <laughs> please, you tell us to beg like a little kid. But I think he in this context he also tells us to be okay with his decision making yeah easy to say hard to do okay so before we move forward um we're gonna we gotta pump the brakes a few times here um three times specifically uh (laughs) just to you know to make sure we're fully stopped and ready to go um when we are finishing up this before we get into the abortion conversation um what is what does next week look like uh as we continue this conversation through the history of acts or not the history of acts but the 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 book of acts and the history of the early church well the easiest answer is read acts 13. there you go uh i am excited about the next several weeks before at the movies kicks off we are going to get into some really uh, meaty parts of Acts. Acts, uh, I think we're going to get through Acts 17 over the next few weeks. And um, spoiler alert, Acts 17 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, which I think is where we're going to land right before we jump into our really fun uh-huh. midsummer at the movies experience. Okay. Um, we do have a surprise coming this Sunday that uh, wouldn't be a surprise if I told you now what it was. This is true. But if you're here this Sunday, um, you're in for a treat. Um, I can't say that. Okay. And, um, and we're in Acts. That's, that will not be a surprise. Re- <laughs> On that note, uh, even if this is a new habit, you haven't done it yet, open up your Bible, read Acts chapter 1 through Acts 13 this week. Uh, you can't go wrong reading the first 13 chapters of Acts. It won't even take you that long to do. And uh, I think it'll give you good context for where we are as a church in our teachings and good context specifically for this Sunday. Okay. So in the uh, remaining couple of minutes, you know, we'll take about two, three minutes here and uh, talk about abortion. Um, cause easy, it's, quick. Because yeah, <laughs> it's a nice, quick, and easy thing. Um, this... Uh, this past week, I think it was, right, um, there was a, a leak of an opinion from the Supreme Court, which is a an issue in and of itself, um, or a whole a whole big story in and of itself. Where the leak came from, how... Yeah, why, yeah, all the above. The political ramifications. And, uh, I mean... Even, which, which you and I... 
Yes. We should actually preface this. You and I, was, I are I was, not. I'm getting there. Okay, I was getting sorry. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this happens, right? And so this all comes down, and uh, the, the, um, the opinion that is, not, that is not the issuance of the court, um, they did not say this is now law or overturning law, um, but the issue that, was, that, is, that is before us is that the opinion would overturn um, the case of uh, 1973 of Roe versus Wade, right? So dealing, dealing with the legalization of abortion federally. Correct. Um, and so as you were about to say, um, we are not experts in the Constitution or the Supreme Court or Roe versus Wade, or uh, abortion, or all of the above. Well, um, for that matter, experts on on <laughs> politics and uh, <laughs> the systems in place, and uh, yeah. But it is something that is major, and is something that is going on. And um, as we both have tried to read and listen to a lot of things over the last week or so, um, which I think we probably would have done anyway. Um, to at least be a little bit more um, uh, educated on what's going on, um, this this opinion has come down, or not has t- has come down. This opinion has been leaked out. Yes. To uh, that would apparently um, overturn Roby's the Wade. Roe yeah. v. Wade case of seventy three. And specifically, um, not only you know here on the podcast, we, we want to talk about our teachings at, at Colonial. We want to talk about our community uh, at Colonial and in Wichita Falls. But also, I mean, shoot, I have no idea how well we do this. We want to talk about <laughs> current events. We want to talk about applying our faith to our lives. Yeah, uh, it is the talk of the news, of politics, of Christians, right? Of of anti Christians, right? Um, pro life activists, uh, pro choice, mm-hmm. or what I would call pro abortion activists. Um, it is the talk all the way to the point to where one of my girls in middle school comes home mm. middle of this week and says that they were talking about it in school. And my first thought was, oh, one of their teachers brought it up. No, her her peers yeah. are talking about it yeah. with opinions and questions. And if that doesn't bring it home to the relevance of the conversation, I don't know what does. Yeah. You well, know. and and we've wanted to be able to have these kinds of conversations, having difficult conversations that are not easily done from one person on a stage, right. you know, that have nuance involved, that have complications involved, right. and, and and invite to, questions. We got we got a really yeah. good uh, provocative question, and because week. because you know it's it's easy to turn on the TV and see um, see the ex- I don't want to say the extreme, but the loud voices of of whatever. But how do we how do we find you know what the what the Bible says, mm-hmm. what what uh, what Jesus teaches us, um, mm-hmm. what following Jesus looks like, yep. and so how do we boil this down? And so that's what we kind of want to dive into yeah. a little bit is how Maybe. do we how do we boil this down this conversation down into a what does this look like for a Christian? Uh, I don't I don't know that we made this plan before we hit record, but <laughs> to use language. Did we talk about the what and the how before we started recording? Briefly, yes. Okay. I, I think maybe that's a good framework okay. to go about this is uh, the what really matters. What does the Bible say about um, life, mm-hmm. about uh, the Imago Dei, the, the made in the image of God? What, is, what does the Bible, if anything, say about abortion? Um, the what, the where do we stand on this? And, and then I think it's really important that we talk about the how, mm-hmm. 
because it's not just about being right. It's about loving well. First uh, Corinthians 13 says, basically, to, to paraphrase, I may have all the what's right. Yeah. I may do this well and this well and this well, but if, if there's no love in the middle of that, whew, I'm doing it wrong. Hmm. I am. And so um, I don't want to miss the what, because I, I, but I think that's the easier part of this conversation. I think, I think there's a lot of agreement amongst uh, our Christian community about um, God's, God's value of human life and where we stand on this issue. I think the, the, the next questions are, okay, then how do we respond? Uh, how do we live out our faith in mm-hmm. this context? So let's do that. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. You looking at me like dive in? <laughs> Ready, go. <laughs> um, I do think that, um, I do think there's a couple things that come to mind when it comes to scripture. Uh, probably the place I would want to go first would be Psalm 139. And I'm pulling it up here in front of me. Um, this is a go-to passage for us pro-lifers. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 139, verse 13 writes, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Um, that is easily top shelf. First, first passage of scripture, I think most of us who call ourselves pro-lifers would go to. We believe that life does not begin with uh, birth, but with conception. I can speak for our elders here at our church. I can speak for our pastors. Uh, we believe that God... God can see what we can't see. Uh, there, there was a time, uh, I think it's safe to say, that we didn't know some of the medical scientific truths we know now. And, and maybe there's an excuse for, for there being a time when people thought that life began with birth. Because, oh, there's, there's a person, you know. Mm. Uh, oh, my goodness, have you seen a sonogram mm. lately? You know, have you seen a sonogram not that many weeks into um, after conception? like the, the development of the human body. And, um, and even for me, uh, I'm dating myself here, but you know, 25, 30 years ago, I heard a, I heard a, a conservative non-Christian politician articulate it this way. And he just said, you know, I'm not sure when life begins, but oh my goodness, I'm going to err on the side of believing Mm. that it's life. I'm not going to take the risk. So that's part of my logic, even apart from scripture is, you know, does life begin at conception? Does it begin at two weeks? Does it begin at six weeks? Does it begin at nine weeks based on these developmental factors? I'm not even going to overthink that. Like, I just want to, I want to err on the side of life, which um, I think is where most of us as what what I would call evangelical Protestant Mm -hmm. Christians land. Um, do you have anything to add to that from a biblical, uh, from a traditional Christian perspective? Um, no, I mean, um, you know, one, one of the questions that came in was, um, trying to wrestle with that idea of, uh, if, if you are following the Bible 
and 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 would call yourself a Christian, like how do you reconcile with um, you know abortion with what the with what um, with what the Bible says with what the Bible says? You know a lot about that verse and another verse that that, that came in was about Jeremiah one five. Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll go back. Well, just let's shift. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's before we go there because okay. I think that's more into the how. Okay. The, the what to still stay there. I think where we can also draw from Scripture is that we, when we read the Genesis account, for example, that God made this part of creation, God made this part of creation, and on and on and on. And then in the end, he made one particular thing, and that was humanity. And it was the only creation on his part that was described in his image. So I think this is central to our understanding of life mm-hmm. as well, is that you know, the, the gorillas and the lions and the birds and the, you know, geckos were not created in God's image, the mountains and, and, uh, you know, the, the rivers were not created in God's image, but humanity was created uniquely to, to reflect God. And, uh, as mind blowing as that is, and then it specifically says, and we were therefore given dominion over all living things. We we were you could you could say it this way. We were the pinnacle of his creation. Now we're not God, but we were we were the 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 top of the heap, so to speak, and set apart, very different. Um and and that's that's the Genesis account. We're not talking about birth, we're not talking about, you know, what's in the womb and we're we're talking about God's love for us as his creation. Uh, you you put that together with a couple passages like Psalm 139 that speak to him making us wonderfully, fearfully, uh, knowing us, you know, at, at every detail before we're even born. And then you add other passages that speak to his heart for the voiceless. You know, God, God throughout Scripture has a heart of advocacy. You could say it that way. Yeah. He is for his people. And specifically, and this doesn't sit well sometimes with us, who those of us who, who want to be comfortable or we want to have power, but he specifically has a heart for the, the weak, the, the voiceless, the defenseless. I, I want to jump to a couple passages. Proverbs 31, verse 8. It's a go-to passage here. Uh, he says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Um, Psalm 41, verse 1 says, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. Um, Let me see here. Oh, shoot. We can jump right to Matthew 25 where Jesus just says, you know, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. There, there are countless passages. I'm looking at lists here, by the way. I'm not going to just read passages. Well, I'll jump to James 1.27. James, oh my goodness. You know, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Go to church every Sunday. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't say that. <laughs> Let me start it over. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. There's just numerous passages that talk about the weak, the fatherless, the poor, the oppressed, the orphans, the widows, uh, the needy. 
you put all that together, there is a consistent pro-life picture of God's heart. Mm -hmm. He is for us more than we can possibly imagine. He is for those who can't speak up for themselves. Does it get any more voiceless than that, that helpless life in the womb to those of us who, who just adamantly believe that is, that is life. It's God's creation. And so that's the, what that's where we start. Um, let's shift into the how though, because, um, you know, we're not gonna, we never, uh, share who, who asked the question, uh, unless unless they want us to or anything like that. But we did get a question, and he, and this this uh, question asker is a friend of both of ours. We we love this guy, but even the way he words this question, I think there's something to unpack here. Uh, you want to go ahead and read us the question that was submitted? Okay, it says, um, "How can any person who professes to be a Christian reconcile abortion with what the Bible says in Jeremiah one five? So if I go back and read Jeremiah 1, 5, it says, or if you go back to 4, it says, The Lord gave me this message. So it's obviously coming from God. Um, I knew you before you were before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and anointed you as my prophet to the nations. So that may sound a lot like Psalm 139. Right. I knew you before yep. you were born. I knew you in the womb. Um, and that's also a frequent go-to passage for pro-lifers for obvious reasons. Uh, this this person's like how how well specifically I don't want to paraphrase him. He says, "How can any person who professes to be a Christian reconcile abortion with what the Bible says in Jeremiah one five? Great question for a couple of reasons. First of all, this this is a great teachable moment for us if we can if we can lean in a little bit on understanding Scripture. I had to look it up. First of all, uh, true honest humility here I, i'm i'm not like off the top of my head doing this any yeah. more than every anybody else yeah uh i looked I, had, I grabbed a couple books that i happened to have on my shelf commentaries on the book of jeremiah i looked up what it has to say what these scholars what these theological experts in our christian camp have to say about understanding the wording here and this is not about arguably this is not about God uh, fitting us together physically in the womb. This actually threw me off when I read it. Mm. This is about Jeremiah saying, you called me to this. If we know the story of Jeremiah, he's going to be a voice uh, against a lot of what's happening in the world. He's going to speak out against violence. He's going to speak out against oppression. He's going to speak out against idolatry. He's going to be a, a prophet who is largely not well-received for the next 40 years. This is the very beginning of his writings, and he's saying, I know you called me to this. This is about my calling. This is about my destiny. Before I even existed, before I even started this life, you called me to this. And it's pretty cool, because you can read later in Jeremiah where he comes back to this calling. In, in chapter 20, it gets to a point where he's like, this is awful. Everybody's against me. Everybody's <laughs> trying to kill me. It basically says, God, this is terrible. Why this did you call me worst. to this? But he turns the corner in chapter 20 and says, but you know what? I'm not going to stop yeah. because I know that from the beginning, you called me to this. So this is not actually, I would argue, from what I understand from the scholars about abortion, this is not about life before birth or life at conception. This is about calling. Paul even speaks back to this in Galatians in chapter 1 and says, he, he goes back before the Damascus Road conversion. He's, he, he goes back before birth. He goes, man, before I was even born, you called me to this role 
as a leader of the church. You called me to this role as a messenger of the gospel. And he's not talking about life before birth, right. life at conception. He's talking about calling. And he speaks some of the same kind of language that Jeremiah does here. Now, that does not mean <laughs> that we shouldn't be pro-life. That does not mean that Psalm 139, for example, doesn't speak so clearly to life in the womb. It just means, maybe yeah. ironically, this is not a place I think we should go in Scripture to justify a, an anti-abortion stance. Mm. This is about calling. Okay. Now I want to shift gears, okay. and I want to throw my anonymous friend under the bus. <laughs> Because I think this speaks to a larger issue. Okay. This question is so loaded. And this question speaks a little bit to our propensity to have the end justify the means. Mm. Um, he says, how can any person who professes to be a Christian reconcile abortion with what the Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5? You know what I hear him saying? And, and I, 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 would, I know this guy's heart, and I don't think this is what he means, but... When we ask questions like that, I think we're saying, I mean, how can anybody who loves Jesus disagree with me on this? Mm. How, how is it even possible for you to call yourself a Christian and disagree with what the Bible says right here, with, which is really what, what I'm saying is with what I believe the Bible mm. says right here, even if I'm wrong? It's such a loaded statement Whereas what if this person had said, okay, I'm, I'm a student of scripture. I'm learning to some humility there. I'm reading Jeremiah one five. I'm not sure if I understand it correctly, but this seems to be speaking about life in the womb before birth. Uh, how do we reconcile that? I, I, I know some Christians claim to be pro choice, pro abortion. How do they, how do they reconcile that? I'm curious. Yeah. That's a very different statement than if you don't agree with me right here, you're the enemy. Mm. You're, you're in that other camp that I don't, I don't, I'm, you know what? I'm questioning your salvation. Hmm. <laughs> I'm questioning that, you know, the same Jesus I know. Um, and I think that's the how part that we have to be really careful about. Um, does that make any sense to you, Brooke? Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know if I'm articulating that very well. You know, it, it's hard. Um, it's hard cause it's text message. I, I, or it's, it's, uh, it's, it's text written out. It's not someone, you know, um, sure. Can't hear tone. Can't right, have a conversation. Right. And so, and so, I think it's easy to read into it. And and I'm not I'm not trying to throw you under the bus because I read it the same way. Um, and and so and so that was that was one of the things that stuck out to me. And um, I, I I guess I guess the the um, the thing that that's difficult for me in that is that um, statistically. Uh, if you want to go back to some some abortion statistics, that one in one in four women in the United States will have an abortion before the age of forty five. One in four. Wow, that's a lot. That is a lot. And um, and when when a question is asked in the way that I read it, or the way that you're you're talking about, when when we say things like that, um, it's really easy, I think, to gloss over the number of people that could be. Um, around us, maybe connected to us through Facebook or through work or where we, you know, where we work out or in the church, and um, and 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 how that person would receive that kind of a comment or question yeah. in that manner, um, very well, very well may get, get you get you back to that that uh, means and ends. You know, mm-hmm. do the ends justify the means? Well, it doesn't matter as long as. As long as we're 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 getting rid of this law, 
then it doesn't matter how, how that makes them feel um, or, or how that, that treats them, how that maybe pushes them, even pushes them away. Um, I, I think back to uh, a conversation that I, I got to listen to um, that my wife had with a friend of hers that had gone through an abortion early on. Mm. Um, and she came from a, a healthy home, grew up in church, and um, at, at one point she had, a, she had an abortion. I'm not going to speak to that because that was, that was her deal. But, um, but one of the things that she said was, don't talk about being pro-life without considering the women that are already in the room that have made that decision. Mm. And, and she referred to um, how, you know, we've, we've seen people that want to post a picture of an abortion because of the dramatic uh, effect, the shock value mm-hmm. of, of this is what happens. Yeah. And talking about the, um, how, how that, just, that just basically just rips open the wounds for someone who's already been through that, who, who very likely could be struggling with accepting that this is what they that they've gone through or mm. forgiving themselves or whatever and how much more we push that you know by doing that we push them away um farther away from from you know potentially even knowing jesus because of the jesus that we're representing in it mm. yeah i i think i hear you affirming man the how really matters mm-hmm. you know it's it's not enough. In fact, can I say it this way? It's not enough to be right. Mm. I, I think that's something for us as Christians, even with these most difficult topics about abortion, it's not enough to be right. Jesus calls us beyond rightness. He calls us to love. Yeah, Love is the supreme virtue. You know, what is it, what's the greatest commandment? Love God, love people. It, it's not be right. And so in the midst of what is right, God does care about what's right. Oh Mm -hmm. my goodness. Don't mishear me. God Mm -hmm. does care about what's right, but he calls us to love in the context of that rightness. And so, um, that's our calling is to, to live this belief out that life is precious, that it matters. Um, this, this brings to mind, if I can go a little more personal, um, I think I've heard this tomb, this, this tomb, this term (laughs) womb to the tomb, Mm -hmm. Uh, when it comes to to my pro life stance, and I and I let me back up. I know not everybody's going to totally agree with this. You know, I'm not going to step into capital punishment and 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 care for the the elderly and and that. But mm-hmm. I do want to I want to I want to read a couple thoughts that really resonated with me. Uh, uh, one of the pastors that writes uh, from Desiring God and and Piper's site wrote this. He says an authentic Christian cause for life should begin at conception celebrate every birth, provide love and care through childhood, and advocate for health, growth, and protection even through death. In other words, we should be pro-life from the womb to the tomb. Mm. And, and that just brings this issue, it makes it even bigger. Yeah. It's not just pre, you know, what happens before birth, right. after conception. It's God cares about life that starts, we believe, with conception, but then he cares about the little ones after they're born, and then he cares about the bigger ones as they're growing, and he cares about the old till they die. Till they die. Um, we are the pinnacle of his creation. Um, he, he writes a little bit later, he says, I think there's a big difference between being anti-abortion and pro-life. Whew, here's, here's a call up. Let, let's, let's, I'm, I'm gonna stop here. Let's embrace not stopping with being anti-abortion as okay. Christians. Let's let's go even farther and be pro-life. Mm. 
he articulates it this way. He says, anti-abortion means you have a conviction that it is murder to kill a child in the womb. It's a good position. But to be pro-life means that you not only want that child to enter the world, but you want that child to thrive when they enter the world. It's not just about getting children into the world, but about making sure they flourish as human beings once they're here. So if we're pro-life, we're pro-life from womb to the tomb. It doesn't mean we don't fight for the justice of the unborn, but let's make sure we're also on the right side of these social issues related to these impoverished children, for mm-hmm. example. Whew, that, that just, it makes it harder, it makes it bigger, but... Well, and just to, just to pile on to what you're talking about, um, one of the statistics that I found said that in 2014, 75% of the abortions from that year were from low income or under the federal poverty level Right. Um, and so we're talking about, you know, if, if that's if it's if it's womb to tomb, like if if that child doesn't have the opportunity to thrive, mm-hmm. that's that's a much bigger conversation. Yes, for sure. And, and as Christians, I want to bring it back to we're, I'm, we're not trying to be political here. We're not mm-hmm. even talking about activism. We're just talking about a biblical understanding of life. Can, can we all agree? Let's let's read the scripture and try to wrestle with how does God see life? We believe it begins with conception. We believe that it begins with, with a biblical understanding of, of, of the dignity and, and the worth that it is to be human. And, and that should inform every decision we make, including this anti-abortion stance we have. Mm. But it also should inform some other things that we care about as Christians, even at the risk, I would argue, of, of appearing to be political, you know? Right. Um, I, I do think, for time's sake, it's important we we step into um, maybe where we see this as Christians. Roe v. Wade, all all signs point to it being overturned. That's coming soon. I, I want to say this as a pastor here at Colonial Church. Um, this is just the beginning, I think, of some big changes uh, and some opportunity for pro-life movement for pro-life ministry, I, I think we're, instead of putting our hands in the air and go, woo, yay, Roe v. Wade <laughs> got overturned, I th- and, and, and therefore what I understand, by the way, that's not the end of abortion. That's just the end of the federal limitations on it. Therefore, now it goes back to the states. Right. It goes back to local elected officials, which we, we can celebrate. That's, there's, there's upside to that. And, but I think it just means, okay, those particular states are going to be, you know, they're, they're going to have legal abortions still mm-hmm. and, and people are going to be traveling and people are going to be moving even to live there mm-hmm. and funding is going to go that direction. And, and we need, just cause we live in Texas and now we're going to be, I think all signs point to clearly an, uh, a no abortion uh, allowed, um, state and Oklahoma similarly, uh, it does not mean the work is not done with us teaching God's perspective on life and, and how it doesn't finish with birth. And, um, I think that we've got to brace ourselves for some really difficult days with media, (laughs) uh, over the next, you know, if, if Roe v. Wade's turned down real turned turned around real soon, I think we're going to get all kinds of, of misleading, uh, reports, um, about what this really means for women uh, what this really means for that cause. I think, I think, is that something new? We've got to wade through yeah. just the mis- misleading media in right. different ways. Um, 
I think there's more laws that are going to be up for debate amongst the legislatures of all these different states and communities. And I think we've got to speak up and, and we've got to be well-informed. Um, we've got to be personally involved. Let's shift gears to how we can be personally involved here in Wichita Falls okay. beyond just crying out to the Lord for help. The center mm-hmm. is right here in town. This is probably a good place to wrap up, Brooke. Yep. The center, uh, led by our very own Vanetta Ferguson, uh, Pam Spruill is on the board, another colonial person. Uh, but we've talked about them recently. Remind us again who the center is right here in Wichita Falls and, and the things they provide, the, the ways that they um, partner with us as a church to minister to, to folks here in our city. Yeah, um, as, as I've been reading some stuff, um, you know, the, the two main ways that people talk about lowering the abortion rate is by making it less available, which is, you know, with, with the laws and things like that. And the other one is to make it less necessary. Mm. And, um, and so what the center does is, um, is they, they are a, 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 free, um, a free service for anybody that needs it, right? So anybody can come there. They're not government-funded. Um, they go over all of the uh, all of the options to give them the the ability to make wise decisions and try to help them try to be a good support. Um, they talk about sex education and and different um, just just different ways of uh, of living, if you will. Um, they they have a Bible based parenting class. Um, they help them with supplying some of the physical needs, some of the you know diapers and and. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you talk about 75% of, of abortions being under, uh, under a poverty level or in low income, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about diapers and wipes and, um, and formula and all of those things that, that really add up and really add up quickly, mm-hmm. um, those, that can be a very, very big need um, mm. for, for somebody going through that. And, and so they, they also talk to them about, the, you know, if, if they decide that they're not going to, or they don't want to keep the baby, I think. They want to parent. They don't want to parent, right? Um, they talk, she talked about um, uh, being in prevention mode, um, that adoption is another option, and they refer people out to, uh, to Buckner, which I think is in Dallas. Is that right? Buckner's in Dallas. That's, that's um, who uh, Carrie and I used for uh, uh, two okay. adoptions. Yeah. yeah, inheritance adoption that's here. Um, there's Texas Adoption uh, Texas Adoption Center, Peaches, which is Presbyterian Children's Home and Services, uh, Children's Home, oh, I'm sorry, Christian Homes of Abilene, all of these, like giving them the options and helping them understand um, other, other ways of going about it rather than going through um, abortion. Let me interrupt you, and because okay. you and I talked to Vanetta again this morning before we hit record just to, to refresh ourselves on what they do. I, I was... I was a little bit fascinated by what she said. She's got so much experience, you know, talking to, to women in crisis that she said, initially, it's not a baby. Initially, it's a pregnancy. Pregnancy, yeah. That, that's, the, that's the perception yeah. of the women she deals with. And so, for example, they're not even open to talking about adoption yet, you, typically, mm-hmm. until they're five, six, seven months along because they're they're in a little bit denial if not a lot denial that there's a baby involved it's really how do i get out of this situation yeah and so a lot of the work they do is listening mm. a lot of the work they do is letting them letting the women in crisis vent um express anxiety and fear uh ask for help in different ways yeah uh, and and i i love i love the wisdom that she brought to it's only later when you know they see that sonogram image 
when they they actually come to terms with oh there's a baby involved here that that typically later in that term they're able to talk about the possibility of adoption um i thought that was fascinating yeah um to, to just to respect the the lessons they've learned over time yeah um and, and one of the other cool things that they have um they have a, a sonogram machine that allows you to that allows the 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 uh, the mother to be able to see the baby mm-hmm. prior to it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to talk about it in in the you know in the abstract and the idea of this pregnancy that's Brings happening the reality of, of right. life to them and so they have that and again it's a it's a free service and yes. um, uh, and by the way a very expensive machine yep. I want I want to say it was twenty something thousand dollars uh, donated at least in large part and not entirely I want to I want to toot their horn mm-hmm. um, by Life Church here in our city um, I don't know anybody directly over at Life Church. They're the they're a church on Seymour Highway with the prayer wall, um, the yellow prayer wall that you drive by. But uh, a lot, man, mad props to Life Church for the way, at least at least to some significant degree, if not entirely, they funded the purchase of a, she said that sonogram machine is on par with the same machine over at United Regional. Mm. How cool is that for yeah. this little nonprofit to have that kind of access to a machine that can bring the reality of life mm-hmm. to these ladies uh, one of our own, Mark Whitley, uh, with because of his medical yep. uh, professional career, he he views those images for free for them. And uh, at last time he went over there and did it, this speaks to the volume of, of their care. Uh, he looked at 106 different images. Wow. Um, and so, man, they're doing some good work. Anything we can do to support the center and cheer on Vanetta and Pam and, and folks that are working there, um, the better. Yeah. And so and so as you know, to fall into that category of making things less necessary, you know, with the with sex education and birth control and, um, you know, contraceptives or uh, programs that fight domestic violence and sexual abuse like those are those are ways that that have have shown to lower the number and and the center being a place that does similar things. And, mm. and so you can you can get more information about the center. You can go to um, the center org. Um, and, uh, I'm sure that if you, um, reached out to them, Vanetta would be thrilled to find a way for you to, uh, to join in and, and be a part. You can even, uh, if, if nothing else, you can sign up for a, a text message that you get, um, when it's, uh, when it's emergencies, when it's a, there is a, there is somebody here that is, um, that is in a crisis pregnancy and if nothing else, a call to prayer, right? Right. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's not, mm. it's not come give us anything. It's not come <laughs> do anything. It's literally just here. We have somebody that is going through this. And, and she had somebody come by this morning. We talked to her and right. she just finished a really hard conversation with someone who, who, by the way, just to keep it real, uh, left with, with every intention, uh, to abort. And, and that speaks to just the daily ministry that they're, they're stepping into yeah um yeah and and by the way let's let's hold each other to this brooke we we talked about having vanetta even on here as a guest let's do that sooner than later uh just for people to have even more accurate information than what you and i can pass on all right so we have we have discussed this for a while there is so much more that we could continue to talk about for forever um, is there anything else that you want to get in here as we as we no. wrap up our conversation about um, adoption? And <laughs> I did keep saying adoption. I know that's what's normal in my life. Um, uh, I will say this uh, about adoption since you since you slipped that in there. 
I'm not saying that all of you people who are listening right now and call yourselves disciples of Jesus are supposed to adopt, but I am saying you should pray about it because, mm. <laughs> uh, it has, it has blessed the Joneses. It has blessed the Jameses. Yep. And there are so many kids in need. Um, it is a tangible way to live out the gospel. It's not the only way. Yeah. It's not for everybody. I'm, I'm not convicted that we're doing it wrong if we don't adopt. I am convicted. Whew, it's beautiful. It's hard. It's right. It's good. And there's plenty of opportunity. So yeah, when you say when you say there's you know the, the number of kids, we're not talking even nationwide or or we're right here in Wichita we're Falls, right here, just in the foster care system alone, there yep. were at least 400 and something that needed homes. Last I checked, and that's been a while. It's I haven't looked at the numbers in a while, but but you're, but you're right. There are, there are a lot of kids that are in it's the not system here eight that are or yeah. two. <laughs> you yes. know, um, so but I guess I guess to wrap up, Brooke, I. I hope if, if something I said was confusing, I hope you rewound it. I hope, I hope you seek me out for conversation because uh, I am not downplaying the what. Uh, we are pro-life. I think, to, I think to follow and love like Jesus is, uh, is to value human life, all human life, including people we disagree with, including people we really don't like, including the unborn, uh, including uh, the people who are adamantly uh, pro-abortion. Uh, we are called to to value life, to love life, and and the how really matters. How we do it, if we could just embrace that, it's not enough to be right. We 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 are called to love and live and serve like Jesus. The how matters. Yeah. So I hope that I hope you hear my heart in that. Well, there you go. Okay. It's a good chat. It's a little long today. Yeah. But I hope I hope a good good episode of us uh, processing some stuff together, Brooke. Yeah. I think so. Okay. All right. We'll wrap it up for here. We will pause our conversation and um, we'll be back next week, hopefully with uh, with with a little after a surprise on Sunday, maybe a little bit uh, of a surprise on, on the podcast. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we, we thank you for listening. Um, it's the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. Always you can get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com or from the App Store or the Google, Google, Google Play Store. Okay. Easy for you to say. Okay, I, yeah, obviously. Um, who uses the Google Play Store anyway? I mean, come on. Uh, I'm just kidding. We'd love to hear from you guys. So send us your questions, podcast at colonialchurch.com. Um, this doesn't have to be the end of this conversation either. So uh, if you you have questions after what we talked about today or um, maybe something else that's more nuanced or whatever, um, let us know. Podcast at colonialchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Um, we will pick up our conversation again next week. Bye.